Good morning, everybody. We're here. We did it. (laughs) Um, My name is Elizabeth, as Jared shared, and I'm really excited to be here. I'm honored. I'm grateful. Um, This is just such a wonderful and safe and special community for me. So thank you so much for um, just your time this morning. Um, We're going to be talking about Mary, um, and before we do, I'm going to share just a little story about um, my daughter, because why not? She's super cute. Um, My daughter, Mia, if she has the bright red curly hair, um, she's just over a year and a half, and so in a lot of ways, this Christmas is actually like her first Christmas. Um, She's just so much more aware this year. You know, she's talkative, she recognizes pictures and animals and people, and so um, as I'm realizing that, I'm also realizing it's kind of her first time hearing the nativity story um, and really being able to understand that. Um, We have a nativity coloring book with stickers that we've been, um, like, playing in this week, and so we're working on the character names. Um, She knows baby Jesus because she knows babies, so she says baby. We're working on the Jesus part. Um, And then we also introduced Mary, who she says May May, um, and Joseph is Jojo. It's close. We're getting there. Um, But in just realizing this is my first time reading to her and her first time hearing this, I'm just reminded of how truly incredible the the nativity, the Christmas story, the passages leading up to the Christmas story, um, just how wonderful those really are, especially when you get to just slow down and read them like you're reading them for the first time. So if you haven't done that maybe in a few years, because we hear these stories every year, I just encourage you to do that. Read them like you're reading them to a kid for the first time. Um, This morning, we're talking about Mary, not necessarily the nativity story quite yet. We're talking about when the angel of the Lord visits her to tell her she's going to have a son. Um, So before we jump into everything, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for for Mary, for her story. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and the gift that he is. We just ask that this morning that this story changes us, that we learn from it, that we learn from you. We give this time to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read this morning um, from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Right before this story, just a little bit of context, um, the story is about actually Elizabeth and Zechariah and how an angel visits them to tell them they're going to bear a son named Jonah, uh, John, not Jonah, different, <laughs> named John. Um, So that story, so Zechariah and Elizabeth, they are older in their age as a couple, and they don't have any children. Um, They're very devout people. Um, Zechariah is actually a priest. And so one of the times, the the story says one of the times when Zechariah is in the temple, um, the angel Gabriel appears to him and tells him that Elizabeth, his wife, even in her old age, is going to bear a son and to name him John, who we know as John the Baptist. And Zechariah's first response is actually disbelief. And so as punishment for that response, he actually loses the ability to speak until after the birth of his son, John. Um, and so this is right where the story we're talking about today picks up. Um, so like I said, verse, or Luke chapter 1, this is verse 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Um, So in this story, we learn a few things about Mary, things that we probably already know because maybe we've heard this story before, but we know she's a virgin. Um, We know that she's betrothed to a man named Joseph, which means she's young. That typically puts, you know, women around like 12 to 14 years old, as that was custom of that time for that age range. We also know in this story, it says Joseph, Joseph was a son of David, Um, But Mary, because she was not like fully married, they were just betrothed, she wasn't fully married yet. She hadn't joined his household. She really didn't have a claim to that inherited status quite yet. And so honestly, she's just kind of this regular, normal person. You know, nothing too particularly noteworthy um, or deserving of something like this divine favor. And so even though Mary might not have a name for herself, um, what she lacks in these titles and this pedigree or in this noteworthiness, noteworthiness, she more than wakes up for in her, just her humble and obedient yes to the Lord. It's in this way that Mary demonstrates what happens when we make ourselves available to God's plan. She hears things from the angel like, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And her initial response is a little bit of fear and confusion, which 100% makes sense. It's very appropriate for what is happening. But she doesn't run. Instead, she decides to ask a question. She says, how will this be? And the angel actually answers her, and he explains to her what she needs to know to understand that he is telling the truth. He even goes so far as to share about Elizabeth, who it says is her relative, is also going to bear a son. And I just think that is such a profound act of kindness from the Lord to even let the angel share that about Elizabeth. This is somebody she knows. She has, it helps, I think, take this, oops, sorry, is that too loud? It helps take this lofty, heady, divine, you know, idea of being this highly favored one, and I think it brings it down into something that's a little bit more contextual and tangible for Mary to understand. You know, she knows Elizabeth. She knows... (laughs) Pause. (laughs) Like I said, second sermon, you know? Thanks, Dan. You guys doing okay today? Anyone got any plans this afternoon? (laughs) Thanks, Dan. Is that better? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I, like I was saying, just the angel telling her about Elizabeth, I think, is such a sweet thing because it takes this idea of being, you know, this divine, highly favored. It's a really lofty, heady thing to try to grasp. And so, 
to bring this person that she knows, it's context, it's someone tangible that she understands. And she also understands what that would mean for Elizabeth, who in her old age wasn't able to have a child and what there's a lot of shame and maybe guilt and frustration. And Elizabeth's very familiar with that because she also lives in that time period. And so to hear that, I think it's, it's so kind for the Lord to tell her that. And I think it helps her realize that maybe the Lord is telling the truth in what, what this angel is trying to communicate to me. If Elizabeth can be pregnant with the help of the Lord, then surely, surely the Lord can do the same for me. And so maybe Mary didn't fully, fully grasp like the extent of what that promise or what this angel visit was really going to mean for her and for the world. But she knew enough to respond out of belief, as opposed to Zechariah, who responded even as a priest out of disbelief. And so in her response, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You know, there's so many people throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, who, like, do this, who are normal, like, run-of-the-mill people, just like us, you know, and some of them honestly have, like, questionable and flawed pasts who maybe we would discount because of that, and the Lord does it. You know, there's people like David, who was a shepherd boy, who said yes to God's plan, and he was given the strength to take down Goliath, you know? There's Rahab, and she was a prostitute. Again, maybe not the person we would go and choose to talk to, but she said yes to God, and when she was asked to hide the Israelite spies, she risked the life of her family and her family members and herself. Even the disciples, you know, they were made up of lowly fishermen, hated tax collectors, you know, people who dropped everything, and they said yes to God's call, and they were able to spread his message throughout the world because of that. My husband actually is also a yes person. Um, this is something I learned about him when we first met, um, he, and we've had a lot of conversations about, but especially with his friends, he is such a yes person. You know, if his friends call to hang out with him last minute, or if they want to, like, talk through an idea with him, or they need his help on something, or honestly, if they have, like, a new business plan or, like, an LLC idea, you know, he is like, yes, I will be there. That is his first response. And then his second re- response is typically, hold on, let me check with my wife, and then for sure I will be there. <laughs> um, you know, and I think it's, I've asked him, you know, because he loves his friends so, so much. It's something I love about him, you know, but he loves their ideas. He loves the idea of being part of something new. He loves seeing his friends succeed, and he just wants to be a part of that. And so, like, I've asked him, why is that the way <laughs> that you respond? And he says, why not? You know, why, why not be a part of something? Why not try? Why not see what happens? I think, for me, for sure, being available to God is, like, the riskier choice sometimes. It's a decision that has, like, unknown outcomes. It's a choice that could change relationships. It could alter our plans. It could definitely cause discomfort. And it takes the control totally out of our hands. So I wonder if, if in those moments of decision where we, where we feel, like, the spirit pressing on our hearts or that longing in our souls— where we know that maybe this is a time where we need to make ourselves available and we have a choice, what if our response is, why not? You know, why not choose to be available to the Lord? Because honestly, like all of that stuff, the discomfort, the loss of control, the change in relationships, all of that is always at risk because it's not really something we have control over. So why not risk, you know, knowing that we're doing so out of a deep desire to just be available to the Lord and to grow closer to him.
If we choose to start each day, honestly, each moment, with just saying, like Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I think we'd stop feeling the risk, and we'd probably start to get to experience the awe and wonder of all of who Jesus is and wants to be for his people. This story also, I think, sheds light on God's timing and his just divine favor. For Elizabeth and Mary to be pregnant at the same time, to have these direct encounters with Gabriel, an angel of the Lord, to both be giving birth to sons who are answers to these prophetic messages about saving the world, they're both experiencing such impossible, miraculous situations. And in very different experiences, you know, like I said, Elizabeth, in her old age, and that's like a has all of its own things of the unexpectedness. And then Mary, in her really, really young age, it has all of that unexpectedness with that too. But God gives each of them someone to walk alongside them who'll know exactly what they are going through. I was actually pregnant at the same time as my sister-in-law, which was really fun. Um, She was like six months ahead of me in her pregnancy. And I just remember she texted me like all the time. She asked, like, checked in with me how I was feeling. She texted me, like, tips and tricks, like, especially in those first few months um, of, like, your first trimester where there was morning sickness, insomnia, things that would help or could, could work, make things easier for me. And she just, like, made me feel less scared, less alone, less overwhelmed. And I, it was easier to ask her for help because I knew she had already made herself available for that. And even though my sister-in-law and my experiences were so different, you know, she was in actually going to have her fourth child, which is a very different realm than your first child. Um, But she knew, like, she understood enough to know what I was going through and just offered herself as a companion to make sure I knew I didn't have to go through this alone. Um, There's a commentator, his name is Tom Wright. He writes this about Mary and Elizabeth. He says, Mary and Elizabeth, they shared a dream. It was the ancient dream of, the Israel, of, of Israel, the dream that one day all that the prophets had said would come true. Mary and Elizabeth, like so many Jews of their time, searched the scriptures. They soaked themselves in the Psalms and the prophetic writings which spoke of mercy, of hope, of fulfillment, of reversal, of revolution, of victory over evil, and of God coming to the rescue at last. And here, in this moment in time, these two moms-to-be together are carrying the very answer to this prayer and dream. I think this story is also one that lets us experience awe and wonder. One of our values here at Desert City actually is wonder, um, if you didn't know that. Um, and what we define wonder as is the experience of, is the way that we experience God. And the virgin birth, like this is a story of wonder. It's an impossible, unexplainable miracle. And I think it's the reason, obviously, that this time of year, this Advent season that we have is set apart. Um, For me, the Advent season has just hit a little bit differently since having a baby. You know, these four weeks that we are in right now also are the last four weeks of Mary's pregnancy. And I know maybe some of you haven't ever been pregnant or don't, you know, haven't experienced that. And I know there's a lot of emotions that maybe come up with that for people, but maybe you know someone who has. And those last four weeks are a turning point. You know, you're you're really um, uncomfortable. (laughs) You're really big. You're in a lot of pain. You can't sleep. Things hurt to move around in just normal ways. 
you know, but there's also, there's so much uncertainty too about what labor and delivery, delivery will look like and be like, like so much of that. But there's also so much excitement about meeting this new little person and maybe as a parent what that's going to be like to introduce to siblings or to family, coworkers, cousins, to see them get to grow up, you know, all of that stuff. When, when Brayden and I were, were pregnant, we decided, let's do something fun. Let's find out the gender and not tell anybody else. Um, we thought that was fun. Our friends and family did not think that was fun, <laughs> um, which I get. Um, but as frustrated, you know, as our friends and family might have been, you know, one of my favorite parts about, like, our delivery and, like, the whole birth story was that as soon as she was born and I was in recovery, you know, I, we called our family, I FaceTimed, and we could be like, guess what, it's a girl, and then they saw her little face, and, you know, and honestly, at that point, like, it didn't matter, right? Like, it didn't matter that they didn't know. They were just so excited to get to meet this little baby, um, and that was one of my favorite parts of that day, actually, among all of my favorite parts, but I just feel like that anticipation that our family felt, it created that moment that we would cherish forever, and so, you know, as Mary, you know, thinking about her in these last few weeks, as her and Joseph are in these last few days and, and weeks of their pregnancy, and they're traveling to Bethlehem, they have these expectant hearts, and they're waiting, and they know what they're waiting for is the Son of the Most High, and they're so excited. They're nervous, they're fearful, they know they have a lot of challenges before they get to meet their son, but man, is that anticipation worth it. Because, Mary's, because of Mary's faithfulness, because of her divine timing of God, we sit in this expectant waiting season. And hopefully we sit with hearts that are full of wonder, hearts that are reminded of what the birth of our Savior means, just knowing that his birth is the answer to prayers and prophecies. It's the answer of a healing hope, love, and peace for all of the world. Um, as we end our time today, actually, um, Jared will, will come up in a few minutes, um, and he's going to lead us through communion. As we do so, my prayer is that this practice of communing with God is one that invites us to stand in awe at the miraculous and to be reminded to lean into his sacrificial example, to start each day and each moment, hopefully just as Mary did, and saying that I am the Lord's servant. May, the, may your word to me be fulfilled. So Jared's going to come up and finish our time together today. We're going to close our time with communion today. And communion represents this story of salvation, that God came to earth, took on the form of a human, um, lived among us, died on the cross, conquered sin and death, and rose again, resurrection. This is the story that, that we all belong to. Advent is a story of anticipation, anticipation of the Lord's coming, uh, anticipation of salvation, anticipation of experiencing the love of God. So if you'd rise to your feet, as we close our time, we have communion set up on both sides of the room in the front and in the back. When you're ready, you can move to communion. But hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, 
This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And church, would you join me in proclamation with the liturgy behind me? His dying we proclaim. His rising we declare. May Jesus Christ be praised. His coming we await. Now as these gifts we take, may Jesus Christ be praised. When you're ready to move to communion, feel free to do so.